Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the jam-packed Truth Hurts program with your host Steve Z. That would be me. I am sitting here scratching my head this morning wondering why the American people just don't get it. Why the American people won't accept the reality that our current situation, economically, politically, religiously, ethically, morally, keeps letting certain groups get away with the things they get away with and only focus on people who want to preserve our union intact to keep our democratic republic form of government intact, in working order. I just don't understand it. Every major city in the United States of America, major city, is run by Democrats. It's like the roaches all infest where they get the free food. Roaches don't usually congregate in a clean building, usually only in a filthy cesspool where there's litter and food sources being given to them, whether intentionally or accidentally. That's where the roaches and the rats usually hang out. America's cities are bastions of this free food, as I call it. The welfare, the Section 8 housing, the Social Security supplemental income, the food stamps, the giveaway programs, and yes, even reparations are rearing their ugly head in Democratic-controlled cities where the population of the 13% hyphenated American minority is at its densest. Asheville, North Carolina, is one of those cities. According to Sarah Hanoski of the Asheville Citizen Times, the all-black reparations commission is now making their first demand of both the city of Asheville and the county, Buncombe County. It says in this article, after only its second meeting, the so-called Community Reparation Commission unanimously approved its first recommendation to the county and the city of Asheville. What recommendation? A demand for funding in perpetuity. The motion was made by Keith Young, the former city council member who wrote the city's historic initiative and has criticized the process in the past. Young says money must be axed for now as the city and the county finalize their budgets for the coming fiscal year. He says, quote, what they took from us is our generation of wealth and our money. It's not our job to figure out where the money comes from. That is not our job. Our job is to make sure that our people are whole for reparations, unquote. May 23rd was yesterday. It was the second meeting of the Community Reparations Commission, a body intended to lead the city's reparations process. Ultimately, they made short, medium, and long-term recommendations over the last two years. The 25-member, all-Blafrican-American body met at Harris Cherokee Center Casino Complex in downtown Asheville with two dozen staff members and some observers in their audience. Mr. Young says he fears if the commission waits to make its demands that a new council or board of commissioners won't be as receptive to their requests. The recommendation he put to the council and the county commissioners axes for money to be included for reparations in perpetuity with the annual budget. That means every budget moving forward forever 
perpetuity means forever, will include money for reparations. From here, the recommendation will be taken to the city council. According to Brenda Mills, the city's so-called equity and inclusion director, you know, one of those made-up positions that they have to give to someone who graduated from a HBCU and they can't find a job somewhere. So these cities, these municipalities, these counties, these states make up new positions, make up new jobs, calling them things like equity and inclusion director and pay them six figures to basically stir the pot. Yes, Miss Brenda Mills said, more will have to be discussed with attorneys about the specificities in the process and language. She said, I feel good. I think they have to find a stride. I think they are trying to burn it at both ends. You need to walk yourself into it. She says the city and the county have already committed to fund reparations, but the commission has to come up with a plan. Another person with a made-up title, Lillian Govis, Director of Communications and Public Engagement with the county, says the recommendation will be brought to County Manager Avril Pender, and Pender will decide if the county is going to respond or even put it on an upcoming agenda. The budget has dominated the discussions in the committee's first meetings. That first meeting was on April 30th, where D. Williams, commission member and CEO of the Eagles Wangs Community Development Corporation, emphasized repeatedly, quote, show me the money, unquote. The council has reserved $2.1 million in reparations for 2021. About $1.7 million has not been allocated. Of those funds, here it comes, folks, follow the money, $365,500 plus is dedicated to a contract with Tequity, T-E-Q-U-I-T-Y, a consulting firm run by Deborah Clark Jones, to manage the reparations commission. See, this is a money grab. Make up this phony reparations commission and then pay Deborah Jones $365,583 to manage the reparations commission. Who cares about the streets? Who cares about the traffic lights? Who cares about public safety or sidewalks getting fixed? Who cares about combating crime? Somebody's making $365,000 a year to run a sham commission to allocate $2.1 million of the city's budget to simply give it to 13% hyphenated Americans because their great-great-great-great-grandmother might possibly have been a slave. Boy, I tell you, my friends, and this is happening in major democratic, woke, progressive, liberal cities and counties throughout the United States of America. If I were a person of the majority living in Asheville, North Carolina, and they told me, hey, we're not going to fix that pothole in front of your house. We're not going to fix that streetlight that was shot out by some criminal thug animal. We're going to give $2.1 million to people who do not deserve a penny. They already, in large percentages of their population, receive more money in government funding, handouts, giveaways, social programs, welfare, you know, general handouts and gimmies, than their white counterparts by a vast vast difference in percentage. The 25-member body of this Reparations Commission is made up by members of the community which were appointed by impacted neighborhoods. The City Council and the County Commissioners have the power for five selections to the board. They were all 13% hyphenated American. Not a single white person was allowed on the commission. They say, we not gonna fail. That's not an option. Yes, 
I would abandon the city in large percentages if I were Caucasian. I would say, let's go, move out, leave them to themselves. Then they would be the only people left to pay taxes in the city of Asheville, North Carolina. And then they would effectively be taxing themselves to pay themselves for reparations for themselves. This is the Truth Hurts program, and it gets more ridiculous as time goes by. Kellyanne Smith is an advisor to Forbes Business and writes the following headline, Americans preparing for economy to take a turn for the worse. Yes, folks, it can get much, much worse, especially with Joe Biden, Camel Toe Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Jerome Powell, and ancient Janet Yellen steering the ship into the massive iceberg of inflation, recession, empty shelves, and, of course, all of the other bad things that have come to pass since Joe Biden took office. Americans are increasingly pessimistic about inflation and the future performance of our United States economy. 66% of Americans surveyed, two out of three, two-thirds of the American population believe inflation will continue to go up, up, up in the coming weeks and possibly the coming months. This according to the latest Forbes Advisor Ipsos Consumer Confidence Biweekly Tracking Poll. 3% increase in the last month alone. It's true that the most recent Consumer Price Index inflation report showed a tiny little slight dip in the annualized price growth in April as compared to March, but the more important month-over-month growth in core Consumer Price Index, which strips out food and energy prices, saw an alarming increase, a trend that bodes very ill for the financial health of the American consumer. Consumers are bracing for higher prices despite efforts by the Biden administration to curb inflation. You know, raise interest rates to a point where you can't afford to borrow anything. And therefore, if you can't afford to borrow money to buy something, you're less inclined to buy it at a higher price, right? At least that's their wackadoodle thinking process. Consumers are growing ever more sensitive to these rising prices of the Biden administration's economic policies. Most Americans expect the inflation outlook to worsen. 57% of Americans, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, all believe the amount they pay in monthly bills and other expenses will rise. Just need to go to the gas station and try to fill up your vehicle, and you will see that rise. You will feel that pinch in your pocketbook immediately. Buy a dozen eggs, a loaf of bread, a pound of bacon, a gallon of milk. Don't even think about steak. And hamburger meat is through the roof. Chicken is expensive. It's bad because one of the factors boosting the growth in prices is called inflation expectation syndrome. This phenomenon, put simply, is when people expect prices to continue to rise and the expectation helps entrench those rising prices. No, it is Joe Biden's economy, my friends. It is a lack of confidence in this Biden administration's running and handling of the economy. This is the catalyst for the high prices. Rising prices simply reflect the distrust of the Biden administration, which struggles to grapple with every aspect of its existence, including inflation, looming recession, high interest rates, fuel shortages, baby formula shortages, invasions at the southern border, disastrous results overseas, crime rising through the roof, and every other hallmark key notation of the Biden administration. The White House, remember, released all of that oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try and lower gas costs. But guess what? 
It went down two cents for two days. And now prices are at $4.48.9 per gallon nationwide. And that is up 48 cents a gallon from one month ago when Donald Trump was your president. Unleaded fuel was trending to the lower side of a dollar a gallon, like a dollar 35 at some stations in Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma. $4.48 per gallon is the nationwide average right now. Sure, the Federal Reserve has finally gotten off their dead asses, putting rate hikes to the interest rates over and over and over. They face challenging balancing acts over there where Jerome Powell thinks it's possible to raise rates quickly but not start a recession. I guess Jerome Powell was busy reading girly magazines when Jimmy Carter's administration screwed the entire economy up back in the day. Economic indicators suggest inflation is here to stay. Although some economists say it could level off, there is no opportunity to see these rising prices go back down for several more months to come. That latest survey poll shows 40 plus percent of Americans believe unemployment will rise over the next year as recession kicks in and companies are forced to lay off employees. Prices won't go down. 39% say it's likely that a family member or personal acquaintance will lose their job in the next six months. It's possible that some adverse economic impacts are showing up in the labor market. 27% say they lost the job in the last six months due to Biden's economic conditions. Analysts are warning that an economic downturn could be on the horizon in the form of a major recession. Former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke, who led the central bank during the 2008 financial crisis, says the economy is inching towards stagflation as, quote, an ugly economic phenomenon that combines high inflation with a contracting overall economy, unquote. Despite warnings from the experts, some Americans actually remain optimistic. Dummies. That's all right. I hope you've checked your stock portfolio. Somebody needs a reason to cry, and all you need to do is look at your retirement accounts under Joe Biden. They have gone down dramatically. Democrats are set to blow through a key date to try and move Biden's agenda forward. The Memorial Day soft deadline for reaching a deal with Joe Manchin on a slimmed-down budget reconciliation bill to raise taxes and supposedly fight climate change and possibly lower the cost of some prescription drugs is coming Monday. Today is Tuesday of this week, so in less than seven days, the Democrat Senate members say there's no chance of getting a deal this week. But it doesn't mean the negotiations over gropey Joe Biden's latest tax and spend and tax and tax again program are necessarily doomed. Some of the Manchin Schumer aides are saying, yeah, the Memorial Day goal was just kind of a soft goal. We're thinking more like the Fourth of July. Now nah, let's push it back to August. I tell you what, let's talk about September. Let's talk about after Labor Day. Passing major legislation in September in an election year, of course, is extremely difficult. High inflation has been the main reason for Joe Manchin's opposition to this tax and spend and tax and tax again plan. The nation's concerns about inflation are continuing to grow. Pushing back the deadline shows that some Democrats are refusing to publicly throw in the towel on the next round of spending your money. A few reasons for this include the rules for preventing the GOP from filibustering the package expires on September 30th. We really hear that it's a Schumer conversation and there's progress, but until we see that there's been an agreement and an initial on the agreement, and we're going to put it on the floor, 
I'm going to be skeptical, said one Democratic senator. He said Schumer has taken the lead in the talks because senior White House officials damaged their relationships with Manchin when negotiations broke down in December and Joe Biden resorted to petty childish name-calling. Manchin was furious at the White House leak, the opposition to the one-year extension of the expanded child tax credit, which was a popular provision amongst progressive liberal woke Democrat liberals and, of course, the 13% hyphenated American minority. The administration is simply not getting anything done. They've damaged too many relationships. Only through Chuckles the Clown Schumer is it a possibility of getting done, but it's not easy. Manchin was in Davos, Switzerland on Monday for the World Economic Forum, speaking at a panel session with Chris Coons, Democrat from Delaware. Manchin predicted that Congress would be able to pass some meaningful legislation by the midterms. He said there's a possibility and opportunity we can do something. Manchin told reporters last week that all 50 Senate Democrats should be able to agree on a reconciliation package that lowers the price of prescription drugs. He said the package should include proposals to reduce the deficit and fight climate change. Here's the, here's the problem, folks. Here's the problem. The Democrats only want to tax everyone and do so without putting the blame on Joe Biden, who said he would not tax everyone that he was only going to tax the uber-rich. But now, as you see, for every gallon of gas that you used to pay $1.65 for, and now you're paying $4.65, the tax you pay on that gallon of gas has tripled. For every loaf of bread that you now pay 50 cents more for, you're paying another 4 cents in taxes. Multiply that, my friends, times a $400 grocery bill that used to be $220. Joe Biden lied when he said he would not tax you. You're being taxed in more ways than you could possibly know, especially if you live in California. California sees record gasoline prices and the state has done everything they could do to make prices go up, according to an expert in the field. The nationwide average price for a gallon of gas, as I pointed out earlier, was $4.48 per gallon. But over on the leftist coast, California, their average statewide price for a gallon of regular unleaded fuel reached $6.06 per gallon on Monday, yesterday. Nationally, the price of gas is expected to top out today, Tuesday, May the 24th, 2022, at $4.59 per gallon, according to AAA. Inflation is on the rise. Demand for gasoline is also on the rise. By the way, one year ago, when Joe Biden had first become the president, gas was 4.16 a gallon for regular unleaded on a national scale. But a year before that, when Donald Trump was your president, $2.66 a gallon. And a year before that, $1.68. The average price for a gallon of gas in Los Angeles was 6.09 a gallon yesterday. San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's territory, $6.32 per gallon. Phil Flynn is a senior energy analyst at the Price Futures Group. He's a Fox Business contributor. He says prices may top out at Memorial Day weekend when expected long road trips are taken by a vast majority of Americans. And we could certainly see another 20 cents per gallon increase by the end of this week. Thanks, Joe Biden. Are you still seeing those I did that Joe Biden stickers on gas pumps? Some retailers and national distributors are calling it vandalism and saying that anyone caught should be charged accordingly. Myself, 
I just think it's damned funny, that picture of feeble Joe Biden. His support amongst Americans, his approval ratings, hits another new low. 40% of the American population say they strongly disapprove. An additional 17% say they somewhat disapprove. That is a historic low of 57% of registered voters in the U.S. saying they disapprove of how Biden has handled the presidency. Wow, 57%. You should simply resign in shame and disgrace, Joe Biden. But he's not the only political leader facing poor marks amongst voters. 48% of voters say they have very much distrust of Congress. 20% say they have no trust at all in Congress. That is a whopping 68% of Americans who do not trust Congress. That's major. Since the Democrats run the White House and the Democrats run both houses of Congress. That's right, the Senate and the House of Representatives run by the same Democrats that put Biden into office. This latest polling, of course, spells trouble for the Biden administration and Democrats in general ahead of the midterm elections coming in November. Republicans have employed a strategy of relentlessly and appropriately attacking Biden and the Democrats on core important issues like inflation, crime, the border debacle, all the other things that Biden has done to destroy America instead of making America great again. Hmm. Democrats are now sleepwalking towards a political time bomb that could go off immediately before voters are set to cast ballots in the midterm elections in November. You might recall last year, gropey Joe Biden beefed up subsidies to cut monthly premiums and make health insurance more affordable for millions of people buying individual plans under Obamacare, better known as the Unaffordable Care Act. For Democrats, that was an important part of the stimulus law that was supposed to be designed to improve Obamacare and widen access into the middle class. But guess what, boys and girls? That temporary program is set to expire if the Democrats fail to revive a reconciliation bill that extends the financial assistance past the end of this year. Under that scenario, steep price hikes, hundreds of dollars per month, will hit 13 million Americans, mostly low-income Democrats, who are currently supposedly benefiting from the program during a particularly punishing stretch of inflation brought on by Joe Biden's economy. Charles Gabba is a national health care policy analyst and blogger, and he says, quote, there's no denying that if these measures are not extended, there could be a definite political impact. If Congress lets the ACA premium help in the American Rescue Plan expire at the end of this year, middle class people buying their own insurance would be hit the hardest. This according to Larry Levitt, Vice President for Health Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation. He tweeted, they, the middle class, could face a double whammy of inflation and loss of premium assistance costing thousands of dollars. I told you when Obamacare first was proposed, this was a way to destroy the private health care insurance industry and make it into a government taxation program. You didn't believe me. And now the Biden administration and the Democrats are trying to prop up the lie that it is an affordable care act. It's unaffordable. That's reality. Voters would start getting notified about premium increases in October, just around the time early voting begins for the November midterms. Others will learn about their insurance bill increases scheduled to kick in next year when they start browsing on November 1st for new plan options, the next open enrollment period, as it is called. 
Mr. Gabba calculated the potential premium hikes using different scenarios based on age, income, marital status, and, and of course, family size. He stressed that his premium figures don't represent final amounts, but serve as a range where insurers will probably establish their rates. The potential increase for a household made up of a 60-year-old married couple earning $75,000 a year, that couple nearing retirement age in West Virginia would see their monthly premium increase by $2,704 when the giveaway program from the Democrats expires. That's the sharpest increase in the U.S., and that's right in the heart of Joe Manchin's district. Hmm. Other calamitous price increases would be around the corner in states like Georgia, New Hampshire, and Arizona, states that Democrats are desperate to try and defend in the November midterms. The brunt would be felt by people earning higher incomes because they would then lose access to government help. If you're in that situation, you'll see all financial aid removed and your net cost will increase dramatically. There would also be premium increases for younger, single Americans around 30 years old who earn $40,000 a year. They generally pay less for health care under the Obamacare compared to older counterparts because they can still qualify for some financial assistance from the government if they're earning $40,000 a year or less. Low-income Americans with incomes less than 150% of the federal poverty level, that is $19,320 for singles, $39,750 for a family of four, they often pay little or nothing for coverage since the government started picking up the tab under the stimulus law with a much more generous assistance package. But that wouldn't be the case if this program expires. Four Democratic lawmakers located in competitive races, Senator Mark Pussy Kelly of Arizona, Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, and Raphael Warnock of Georgia. All but Warnock responded to a request for comment on the issue of these subsidies. Spokesperson for Kelly, Hassan and Cortez Masto generally reiterated their support to keep health care costs in check without mentioning that reconciliation package as a pathway to achieve it. In other words, Democrats kicking the can down the road, sweeping the real issues of Biden's disastrous economy under the rug. Washington examiners Darren Baxton, Jack Spencer write, price controls on fuel would be disastrous for Americans. In classic Washington, D.C. style, liberals in Congress are advancing a bill that most assuredly will make a bad situation obviously worse. In response to soaring fuel prices, liberals seeking to shift blame away from Bidenflation and onto the oil producers through the so-called Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act, a more appropriate title would be the Driving Up Prices and Fuel Rationing Act, because that's what this bill will do. This bill that the Democrats are proposing right now would empower state and federal authorities to bring civil actions and lawsuits against fuel suppliers who engage in what the bill terms unconscionable pricing. By using highly subjective and undefinable terms to trigger action against fuel suppliers over unlimited time frames, the bill would provide politicians and bureaucrats virtually unlimited power to interfere with energy markets in the U.S. The result would be a federal price control system for consumer fuel. Remember, the U.S. attempted price controls at the gas pumps during the 1970s Democratic Jimmy Carter era, and it was an unmitigated disaster. Why would Congress want to take us back to the 70s with interminable gas lines, sold-out signs at station after station? Prices are important signals that convey information to any marketplace. High prices usually tell companies to produce more. Lower prices usually tell them to produce less. By interfering with natural market processes, this proposal of the Democrats could make gasoline shortages far worse, 
forcing companies to lose money or therefore risk prosecution for trying to expand production while simply trying to cover their costs. Congress needs to understand that unforeseen market shifts do happen. It causes a misalignment between supply and demand, which affects price. Prices are how markets bring alignment to customers and to producers. These price fluctuations are not the problem, they're the solution. Stop prices from adjusting and the misalignment between supply and demand will continue or even worsen into a shortage and then Katie bar the door. When government policy such as this legislation prevents producers from offering products at market prices, producers may produce less of the product or simply stop producing it altogether and then limit capital investment to provide for future demand. When prices don't reflect corresponding supply reductions, consumer demand will fail to adjust. Instead, it will chase dwindling supply. Fewer goods with high demand is a recipe for disaster and fuel shortages, fuel rationing. The Federal Trade Commission knows this, and they've warned, quote, if natural price signals are distorted by price controls, consumers ultimately might be worse off as gasoline shortages could result, unquote. The economic carnage of price controls is bad enough, but layering them over the Biden administration's anti-energy agenda would make meeting the artificially high demand for gas even more difficult. The bill is just an extension of the left and Joe Biden's war on fossil fuels and energy in general. The chilling effect that price controls would have on investment, on innovation, on invention, and on production would not only impact fuel prices today, but well into the future. This is a dangerous precedent, dangerous nonsense, which has already been proven to be disastrous when it was done by the Democrats and Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. It's nonsensical, it's flawed economics, and the bill is harmful because it diverts attention from the actual problems and the real solutions available to us. Biden has declared war on fossil fuels since he ran for this presidency. With gas prices over 450 a gallon right now, on average, we could be seeing six, seven, eight dollars per gallon on average throughout the US and well over $10 a gallon in California and other liberal bastions by the end of the year. The Federal Trade Commission consistently found that allegations and claims of gas price gouging and related anti-competitive concerns are indeed unfounded, false, made up, fake. But that's what the Democrats do. Folks, I've run slap out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. I apologize for running over just a bit, but this is stuff you need to know about. Go out there and make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Thank you.